To a good football show. My name is Pat Crane, and today we are going to be discussing rookie risers and fallers. To do that, I am joined by Hayden Winks, Underdog Fantasy, and Ryan McDowell from Dynasty League Football. Guys, how's it going? It's great. Glad to, glad to be back to the show. Miss everyone that's part of the show, and I know I keep listening. You guys are all crushing it as usual. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be going into... Some of the guys that have been rising and falling through the early part, the pre-draft process here, uh, obviously things are going to get really shaken up post-draft, but it's been interesting to see, you know, I think partly as people try to anticipate where the draft position is going to fall, we have seen some, some risers and fallers. I did a little research and noticed that last year, Elijah Moore, you know, was starting to creep up. People maybe getting a sense that he was going to have some good draft position, went from wide receiver 10 to wide receiver 8 in the mock drafts that that you do for DLF, Ryan. Um, and also Seth Williams was, was starting to fall. He was wide receiver nine going down to wide receiver 12. Obviously, that was we were catching on to the the, the winds of, of the draft capital. But Ryan, you mentioned prior to us going live here that you uh, you did some real research and went back a number of years and found some interesting trends. Yes, yeah, so I've been hosting these these rookie mock drafts uh, monthly dating back to uh, at least 2017. That's that's where I, I stopped pulling the research. But I, I kind of thought about these different data points as, as pre-combine. I mean, February, mocks, of course, we're really basing everything on on that player's college career. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Devi player. I'm in a few Devi leagues. And I know Seth Williams was a, was a guy that we were hot after in Devi leagues for really for years. And then uh, you're right. We kind of, kind of started catching on that that might not be the way to go, but yeah, we've got February through May here uh, of each month and each season. Think about that as pre-combine post-combine. We can see how the combine impacts player value. I think that's what we'll be talking about a lot today. April, I consider that obviously immediately pre-draft. And I think that's really where we start seeing um, NFL mock drafts impact player value. You know, maybe our, our favorite sleeper wide receiver is not showing up until day three. We probably shouldn't be picking him late in the first round. Uh, and, the, and then, of course, the, the ultimate piece of information, post-draft, May mocks, uh, we, we've kind of got the, the whole picture. Yeah, and, and we have seen some, some big risers here as we've gotten like the post-combine stuff. Uh, I think Brees Hall would probably be the guy that's really rising the most as we as we get into the running back risers here. I mean, I, did, Hayden, did you think he was this fast? You know, like it seemed like he was supposed to be like kind of a maybe a little bit better no. David Montgomery or Josh Jacobs type, and then uh, just crushes the combine. Yeah, I didn't see, and I went back and watched it after the combine, and I still didn't see. Like, I see like he's definitely wins in a straight line. I think he on purpose didn't do some of the agilities. Unfortunately, <laughs> nobody did the he agilities, the so you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of out of yeah. luck there. Yeah. But yeah, I think Brees Hall, he was like ninety six percentile athleticism in adjusted spark, which is my model that kind of combines everything. I think he's probably closer to like eightieth percentile when it comes to the tape. So I think that some of the modeling is overrating Brees Hall, but that's just my opinion. I think he's still a rock solid, uh, probably early day two pick the production early declare athleticism. It all checks every single box. I just, 
I don't want to throw him into like the Zeke Elliott tier or something like that. I think he's probably that next tier below, but for fantasy purposes, it's like, to me, it's Kenneth Walker versus Brees Hall. And I'm trying to weigh like what, who I think is the best, better rusher, which is Kenneth Walker versus who has a higher ceiling in fantasy. Cause the projection on third downs is easier to see in Brees Hall. So um, I, I feel pretty comfortable after the combine that those are the first two running backs. And then we kind of battle it out for RB three. Yeah, what we have at 43940, 40-inch vertical, 126-inch broad jump is very impressive. Yes. Yeah, I agree that probably what we don't have would not have been so impressive. Uh, that's why we don't have it. But, uh, <laughs> Ryan, we, we have Brees Hall now. In the latest mock, he's up to the 101. I think, you know, this was a class where it felt like it was going to be about picking whichever receiver you like best at 101, but all of a sudden now it's a, it's a running back 101 dynasty class. Yeah, I think what happened at the Combine is – none of the wide receivers really separated themselves from the others. Traylon Burks from a dynasty standpoint was the favorite going in. Uh, It's fair to say that he kind of took a step back value wise uh, based on the combine and Brees Hall just separated himself from uh, the rest of the running backs, namely Isaiah Spiller, who a lot of people were considering the RB two there. So you know, Brees Hall moving up, Spiller moving back, and that's how you end up with Hall at 1.01. Overall, I, I agree with Hayden. I, I think he's fine to take him at 101, but I think it's it's also a result of just, you know, a, a, a subpar running back class this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hayden, in the best ball drafts uh, over at Underdog, like it felt to me like Brees Hall was kind of in a tier above the rest prior to the combine. Now it seems like he's moving up a bit, but like, the combine's also going to bring with it pretty high draft cap, but like there oh, yeah. was, it felt like there was a chance that he might be a third round, <clears throat> excuse me, a third round pick prior to the combine. There's, he's not going to be a third round pick now. So yeah. uh, like, do you think he's got kind of moved uh, uh, room to move up considerably in terms of his best ball ADP? Yes. Yeah, so I think that point that you just made is a point that I've been making that correlation. Like if you're just looking at athleticism and correlation to the NFL, it doesn't add all that much, but I think that it predicts draft capital. And I'm, positive that draft capital is highly correlated to this so i think that the combine stuff should matter more than it matters just like if you're looking at it pure like r squared um and i think yeah Brees hall solidified himself i think kenneth walker also sort of solidified himself he was a great athlete as well so on underdog he is our rb15 that's Brees hall and then kenneth walker is rb28 i think in the right landing spot Brees hall can go up a couple spots but i worry that there's a he doesn't go to the perfect landing spot. That was like a something I was trying to do is like go through and which teams like really need a running back. And it seems like there's not as many desperate teams. Like the Steelers last year were like so desperate for a running back. It was obvious. I don't see like the exact fit, um, but he's still probably, if he goes 32nd, 39th overall, I think he's probably going to be in like the teens in, in best ball. That makes sense. All right. Let's, let's talk Kenneth Walker because he's had, kind of a bigger rise uh you know he wasn't as highly regarded as hall pre-combine uh, ryan you mentioned that a lot of people had spillers that are running back too uh things have kind of moved in, in, in different paths for these two guys since we got numbers on them uh 34 inch for 122 inch broad jump for kenneth walker and just a really really strong rushing profile doesn't necessarily profile as like a three down guy but he's moved up in uh, the the uh, rookie draft ADP from 107 all the way up to 103, leapfrogging a bunch of those receivers. 
how do you view him, Ryan, as, as like a dynasty asset? Because he may not be a three down running back, but he could be, you know, a starting running back for a number of years. Yeah. I mean, that's the big question, right? Uh, is, is that lack of pass catching, uh, is that a system issue or is that a, is that a talent or ability issue? And I mean, you can really argue either way. You know, it comes down to what you think of the player right now, but you're right. Uh, what he did at the combine certainly gave him uh, more value in dynasty leagues, more value in best ball leagues. And I, I think he ends up being drafted in the NFL draft right behind Brees Hall. I think he'll be drafted right behind Brees Hall in dynasty rookie drafts as well. You mentioned he's at 103 in our ADP. I think he probably ends up at 1.02 uh, by the time we get to actual May rookie drafts. And Hayden, he seems to be like there's a gap, right, between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Do you think that gap closes in the best ball ADP? Yeah, so Brees Hall, RB15, I think that's probably where he's going to sit. And he was, I think Brees Hall was like closer to like RB20 just even a couple weeks ago. So I think the market is appropriately moving him up. Kenneth Walker's ADP is still kind of stagnant. He's RB28, so that's a pretty decent gap. I think that Kenneth Walker is the one that has a chance. If he goes to the right landing spot, boom, all of a sudden he's like the RB20 in in uh half ppr best ball i think that's like a little bit of a difference is i think he should make the case in in dynasty ppr leagues where like all right it's very easy to see how Brees hall is going to catch 50 plus passes kenneth walker might be closer to that 25 mark but i think that's like the one biggest debate with kenneth walker is like michigan state doesn't throw their running backs all too often wake force offense is like in its own category um and i was listening to daniel jeremiah's podcast and he went out of his way to talk up Kenneth Walker, like as a character leadership coaches guy. Like he, he compared him to Devonte Williams, who was like the valedictorians. He was like the poster style or poster child for this type of back. So I think that Kenneth Walker, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets drafted over Brees Hall. I wouldn't say that I'm predicting that, but I would not be surprised if that's the case. And he, I think that he's just such a good pure rusher that there's a chance that he en might end up being the one one or closer, at least close the gap to where they're back-to-back -back in best ball. Yeah, he does seem quite undervalued to me on underdog. You know, people forget half-point PPR. They do. And, uh, yeah, I think with uh, with Walker, too, the landing spot stuff is maybe like it's, it's going to be easier to get excited about him in terms of the landing spot because he's got a limited profile. So, like, if he lands on the Chargers, for example, we're going to be very excited because, you know, he's the battering ram on this uh, very explosive offense, or if he lands with the Falcons, you know, it's like Arthur Smith's new Derrick Henry. Like the, there's a number of landing spots where for Brees Hall, we wouldn't be quite as excited because we'd be worried about what it's going to do with his pass catching profile. Is he going to get that three down profile that we're really hoping he has with Walker? We're more just like hoping that his rushing profile gets maximized. I think. Do you guys view it the same way? Yeah, yeah I, th I think that's fair. Um, and Hayden hit on it earlier that there just aren't the landing spots, right? I mean, um, the even though it wasn't necessarily a strong free agent running back class, it's all kind of fallen into place. It's, you know, it's Houston, it's uh, Atlanta. Those those are really kind of the, the teams with primary uh, openings. And I guess that depends on what you think of, uh, of Patterson and Atlanta. But um, and, and obviously those are not, not going to be strong teams. So, you know, that's going to be another decision. Do we want this running back with opportunity on a poor team in, in 2022? 
Hayden, how do you view these guys as prospects? Like, are you hoping, because to me, it comes down a little bit to like how good of a player they are. Like Jonathan Taylor, it didn't really matter. It's more about, does he land with a good offensive line? Does he land with an offense that's going to be functional? But it doesn't matter who's ahead of him on the depth chart because eventually he's just going to take the job. Do you think that Hall and Walker are that? I mean, they're not Jonathan Taylor, but are they good enough to where they can dispatch you know, a solid running back ahead of them, or do they need to land on a, a more uh, empty depth chart? Yeah, like a perfect example, like the Eagles, who I think could be in this range, where I think Miles Sanders at this mm-hmm. point is pretty forgettable. If Kenneth Walker goes to the Eagles, I would just assume he's the starter ahead of Miles Sanders. Same thing with the Bills. If Brees Hall goes to the Bills, like move out of the way, Devin Singletary, you can kind of mix in. Uh, yeah. So I think those are the... That would be very exciting. Yeah, I think those are the kind of roles. And it's they're just not that pure, like... The, whoever goes to the Texans, I think that would be a, a big win, even though it's a bad team, just getting all of the carries. We see uh, running back some bad teams still have decent seasons. I My model has Brees Hall 96 percentile. I don't, I don't see that. I kind of disagree with my model to some extent, but I still think top uh, 90th percentile. Same thing with Kenneth Walker. He's 88th percentile in my model because of the pass-catching issues but like daniel jeremiah just saying that he's like a great character guy and he even said that at michigan state uh, mel tucker his coach sent him a bunch of clips from practice saying that he can catch the ball all the time which is like obviously so <laughs> bs but daniel jeremiah like stamped it and said like this guy is um that dude i i've seen i've seen him rank him pretty high in his own stuff so i think both of them top 40 top 50 overall picks and they're both going to be in that like jk dobbins to jonathan taylor if you're lucky mm. type of tier do, do you what would you rather see ryan uh with these backs like a they land with an on an empty depth chart or kind of in a better team situation i think with hall the empty depth depth chart would be the best mm. case because as you know as you already kind of hit on he we feel like he can do it all so uh, I, th- I think that definitely makes the most sense for, for Brees Hall, Atlanta, Houston. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're right. Walker makes sense as, as a more of a committee back. Okay. All right. Let's move to Rashad white, who is starting to get a little buzz. He's moved up one running back spot in the mocks. He's moved up from two Oh two to one ten in the mocks, but it seems like he's getting a, a little bit more best ball buzz uh, in the rookies and sophomores. You know, I could basically decide who I wanted in round 12 between Sky Moore and Rashad White. Now i got to take both those guys earlier. We'll get to more. But uh, but Rashad White has been kind of – he's been on my radar. To, I mean, off the charts in yards per route run, which I love to see. But I was like, is this guy going to kind of get the, the Kenny Gainwell treatment from the NFL? doesn't really seem like it. It seems like the NFL is a little bit more into him and it's a thin running back class, which probably helps him and spillers falling. So Hayden, where are you at on Rashad white? So underdog fantasy ADP on our super flex, Isaiah spillers, the RB 39 Rashad white RB 42. So there is no gap. It's, it's those two Mm. basically right next to each other, which is something you would have not have guessed even a month ago. And I think like the biggest reason, obviously Rashad white had a good day at the combine 84th percentile adjusted spark athleticism. And like you said, he had the role that we like to see. Now he was a Juco transfer. He is 23 years old and all that stuff, not an early declare. None of, none of the good stuff we're looking for, but he averaged 135 yards at Arizona state. That's a good school. They have NFL talent on that team. And he was second in PFF receiving grade. I thought he was good when it comes to awareness on pass protection. So I think he checks all those boxes. He's now, he just seems like he's just kind of a 
chaos back. And that's where I think that there's a possibility we do get rugged like we did with Kenny Gainwell. So he's my RB three right now, but that is like tentative. And I am already in the the mindset that I'm going to have a bad night when it comes to Rashad white. And he goes like the fourth (laughs) or fifth round. It's not tentative for me. Yeah, He's my RB three with a bullet. Oh God. (laughs) I have all these guys right next to each other. Uh, So like he told me Brian Robinson over Rashad white, I would say sick. Awesome. Uh, Same thing with Zamir white. I, I, I don't feel super confident, but if he does get that third round draft capital, like, I'm going to be all in. Yeah. So I just want to like protect myself. So I don't have to go to therapy over this. <laughs> well, that that's, that's sharp of you. I'm, I'm all in already. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, where are you at on him? Yeah, I like the player. I'm worried about the draft capital. You know, I've, I've yeah. been checking out grinding the mocks a ton this, this off season, this pre-draft process, basically just a, a collection of all the mock drafts, kind of an ADP. They have uh, they have Rashad White as the RB six around one eighteen overall, so we're talking uh, you know relatively early day three there, uh, but behind Zamir White, behind James Cook, obviously behind Spiller. Uh, I mean that wouldn't kill his dynasty value, but it, it certainly wouldn't help it. I don't think he would be uh, that late first rounder like he is right now. So yeah. Again, thinking landing spots. I mean, that it's a guy. He's a guy who can catch the ball. I would love to see him in Tennessee. They've tried to find that that compliment to Derrick Henry. Darrington Evans, you know, kind of came through, came and went. I think he'd be a perfect pairing with with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. One thing that's interesting about him is like he is pretty similar to Gainwell, but he's much bigger. Yes, he's six feet tall. He's two fourteen. It's kind of like a weird like player archetype uh we haven't seen like a ton of this i mean he's not he's not quite as big as like a david johnson so that doesn't even really work is it like what's the comp for this guy when i was doing my stream uh somebody in the chat said like bigger better chase Edmonds, which i kind of can see if he went Mm -hmm. to like arizona or to the cardinals i feel like that would be a decent kind of role i think he might have to start in this third down role and then like break into it but like you said Six foot two fourteen. That is where we're talking about like plug and play three down roll because of an injury. Like I yeah. think he has that, and that's why I'm excited. Like I think James Cook is going to be a good NFL player. I just don't see him like all of a sudden having this big time role. And I think that Rashad White at least has the chance. I I do want to note. I keep whenever I'm like looking at these prospects, I'll do Twitter searches with like Rashad White, and I'll do it from Dane Brugler, Daniel Jeremiah, some like the biggest. NFL draft minds, not a single tweet from any of them about Rashad White, which just seems like bad. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I want to get this into my model. Like, how late into the draft period before we get a single tweet from Dane Brugler and Rashad White? Uh-huh. Um, so that's, it doesn't seem great, but uh, I'm hoping so. I just give me that day, day two draft capital. And it's like definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it, I'm fine with the day three draft capital because I think his price will come down in the, you know, in, in all formats. Sure. And he does feel like the guy who, when he hits really hits because of the size and because of the pass catching ability. And it's like, I, I don't mind being wrong about him because like, I'm not scared about like what Brian Robinson's going to turn out to be. Like, I think this is, or whoever, like, I just think this is a pretty thin class. So yeah, I'm kind of swinging for the fences. If he, even if he goes day three, I think I'm, I'm swinging for the fences with the white. I think the uh, the Gainwell comp, at least from a dynasty value standpoint, was a good one. Yeah. I actually forgot how into him we, collective we, uh, were last year. Looking back at those mocks, 
February, he's 12 overall. Post-combine in March, he's 12 overall. Uh, April, 11 overall. And then the, the draft capital hits, the Eagles landing spot hits, and he falls to 24 post-draft. Right. Yeah. The 212 for Rashad White. Yeah, I'm doing that. Oh, I'm yeah. doing that all day. Oh, yeah. I, I I will I will <laughs> I feel pretty confident that his best ball ADP RB42 right now. If I had to say that is that going up or going down over the next month and a half, I think I would have to guess it goes down. That seems like a little rich. Even as like an RB, he's my RB3 stand. I'm rooting mm-hmm. for Rashad White. RB42 seems a, a little bit rich. I think the range of outcomes is pretty pretty drastic here. Yeah, I'm I'm figuring that now that I'm figuring now that Hayden must have set that initial ADP over <laughs> at, at Underdog. I've wish. been doing a I've been doing a ton of drafts there, and uh, like I said, I like White, but I've been surprised dating back to since the contest opened there how uh, how high he was in ADP and the gap, or, or even rankings, I guess, and the gap between he and and guys like Zamir White and, and James mm-hmm. Cook, some of those uh, those other second tier backs. Is Ramondre Stevenson? I mean, he's not a perfect comp, but is he? You know, uh, the, what he went fourth round. He's bigger, but he was actually a pretty good pass catcher despite uh, being a bigger back. And you know, I, I think maybe in terms of like a, a realistic outcome, probably a decent comp for you know takes a little bit, works himself in, has a couple good games, never quite gets there, but you know, at the same time, you feel kind of pretty good about drafting him late. Yeah, that's he was about the same percentile when it comes to my model. Uh, Rashad White, 73rd percentile. So like Kenneth Walker, 88th. And then the next best is down at 73rd mm-hmm. percentile. That's where we're talking about like committee back. So yeah, I, not the ex- same exact, but I think probably like when it just comes to like projection, how much it's helping your team. That seems fair. I think I think Ramondre was what probably closer to like RB60 in best ball for, for most of the year. So yeah. yeah, I'm a little worried that he's going too, too early right now. That makes sense. All right, let's go to Zamir White. He's uh, up from RB10 to RB5 and up from 305 to 205. So a pretty big rise for him in Dynasty, Ryan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Another another guy who had a good combine. And, and I think I, I think it's just kind of the Georgia impact, honestly, a little bit here. That the, that backfield with, with Cook and White, we kind of took that as a negative. They they didn't put up the numbers as some, as some of these other players, but... Uh, when you look w- at what they what they did at the combine, you look at their full body of work, um, and even look back honestly at like their recruiting history. I mean, these these both of those running backs were were coveted recruits. Um, I, I think you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. So for me, guys like Zamir White are are really moving up quickly and closing the gap on again Spiller, kind of kind of the butt of the class here, unfortunately. Yeah, James Cook also up from RB8 to RB6. You know, we talk a lot about, like, with the Ohio State guys, the Alabama guys at the wide receiver position, that, you know, if you're playing with a bunch of other really talented guys, that can affect your stats. Hayden, how much are you factoring that in with White and Cook? Which, is, you know, we don't normally think about that, the running back position so much. Yeah, so in all of my modeling, I have team strength in it and projected draft capital immediately. I don't want to bother without having them. Otherwise, you, I think, overrate some of the, the market share bros, and I – too many Andy Isabellas for me to, to go through that again. Mm-hmm. So Zamir White is comes out fine, my model. Now, he's somebody that you can't even model because of the injuries. I mean, tore both of his ACLs. But when in doubt, like if you can get a five-star recruit and an early declare, and then he runs a 4-4, like I'm leaving the lie down for him. I think that he's like the the boom-bust prospect uh, 
of the running backs. And I think he has a chance to kind of move up when I was watching him. There was like, like one out of every 10 runs. I'm like, Oh damn, that was some decent burst right there, but very inconsistent. And he's didn't have that much wiggle. I think probably because he was rushing back from those knee injuries and cause he's so underdeveloped. He didn't, didn't have many carries in general. So I think I would rather have him in dynasty rather than best ball. If I had the force to pick to, to pay the price on one, just because I think he, he could be somebody that takes a year or two, get a little bit healthier, uh, get a little bit more reps under him. And then all of a sudden he kind of becomes more of a, a like a two down stud, or maybe if you're lucky, he gets down to three, uh, a three down player. But I, I'm definitely leaving the light on him just because I, you just see four, four speed at 215 pounds, five-star recruit that went to Georgia. Like these Georgia backs are always very productive in the NFL. What about cook? Yeah. I think James cook is an easy projection because he was one of the best third down backs. He was not even just like winning on check downs and screens. Like they would motion him out and then he was just running sluggos, stop and goes and then winning downfield. Uh, they also got him in like the pony personnel and like some of the, the Tony Pollard stuff where you have that second running back and you're in the slot and doing those, uh, that motion stuff. They got him going on that. I see James Cook comping to Tony Pollard or a faster Kenny Gainwell. Mm. Uh, he is, could legit fly. Uh, 4-4-2-40. He just didn't make anybody miss, which is kind of concerning. 5'11", 195 pounds and like pretty bad elusiveness in general. But I think if you're looking for just, I need a third down back and you're an NFL team, like if you're the Cardinals going back to them, I got James Conner on early downs. I just need that Chase Edmonds replacement. I think James Cook is like so easy to project in that role for fantasy though. How do you get him out of that and like to the next level? Right. Right. I feel like we need like another class of these uh, satellite backs. So we got James white aging out, you know, we had Gio Bernard age out. Like, is that how you view cook? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly guys, um, guys like that, that can have that kind of impact. And, and I do kind of put, uh, I put uh, Rashad White in that as well. I know you guys like him a little more than me, it sounds like. But um, <laughs> even though it's viewed as a down running back class in general, I mean, getting those types of guys in the second round of dynasty rookie drafts, maybe even the third round, depending on uh, the player and the draft capital, those, those are big hits in, in dynasty leagues. Yep. All right, let's go to Tyler Batty, who went from running back 13 to running back 11. Uh, any thoughts on him, Ryan? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I, honestly, I just don't see it. I, I thought he was fine at the combine. I, I'm, I'm really surprised at the value gain with him, and I wonder if it's just kind of a, a process of elimination with some of the other players, uh, running backs especially, who, who disappointed. So, I mean, right now, 29 overall. You're talking about a, a, a mid third rounder. He's, he's a fine dart throw at that point in dynasty leagues, but not really a player I'd be chasing. Yeah. I mean, he stock up to me cause I didn't even know he existed until this morning when I went back to my model. I was like, I was like, who's this sec guy that caught 54 passes. That seems kind of interesting to me. So he went from zero up to, I actually have to go watch it more exponential. Yeah, rise. Here. I mean, big time riser in, in Hayden's mind, uh, 39th percentile adjusted spark athleticism at the combine though. So I don't like truly understand why he would be rising, yeah. since then it could be a process of elimination like you said but um i watched one game of him and he was like running a bunch of different routes and he is a little bit thicker than like what his combine i thought i thought he had kind of ran with a little more power um so he's like 
in the draftable bucket. And if you get the right landing spot and stuff, sure. He is not being drafted on underdog basically at all. Uh, probably rightfully so, but I gave him like round five ish grade. That seems fair, but I mean, sec big enough caught 54 passes. Like he's at least on my radar now. Yeah. 197 pounds of the combine, but five, eight. So the BMI, yeah. you know, thick dude, pretty good. Yeah. Like in our ADP, latest ADP rookies, He's ahead of Jalen Tolbert, who I like, wide receiver. He's mm-hmm. ahead of Pierre Strong, Alec Pierce, uh, a couple of the the later quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I don't get it. A little too high for me. Yeah, I, I like I like some of the guys you mentioned more than him. All right, let's talk Pierre Strong, who has had a big big rise uh, in the the rookie mocks from running back twenty six to running back twelve, from the four twelve to the two hundred nine. He's when I've Checked him out. He he looks pretty good. I mean, he's got some athleticism. Uh, you know, he's uh he's kind of a bigger back, 5'11, 207, 43740, 36-inch vertical, 124-inch broad jump. He kind of like resembles Buck Allen or something to me. Like, I don't, I don't he doesn't like super excite me, but he seems like maybe a, a capable uh NFL running back. Where are you at on him, Hayden? So I think the upside case that you're hoping for is he plays like Elijah Mitchell just because he is like mm. outside zone, uh, get him on the perimeter and he can fly. That's why he ran a four, three, seven, 40 ultimately came out 86 percentile adjusted spark athleticism on my side. Now he is 23 years old division two. Don't like any of that stuff. He did not even have that much uh, usage um, before last year. He only had one season above 144 carries. Uh, part of the reason is because he was averaging like eight yards a pop um, some of those early seasons. But yeah, when I watched him, it was just like, yeah, he is a straight line athlete only like not like not going to win with power, not going to win with elusiveness, even like against the division two guys out in space. I was like, you got to make one more guy miss. But I think just running a four, three, seven at like over 200 pounds, like gets you into the Shanahan tree. He's probably gonna have to win on special mm-hmm. teams and stuff. But like, if you said he is eighty percent Elijah Mitchell, like I wouldn't be that surprised. I think Elijah- Mostert could he be Mostert? Josh tried to do that in the podcast today, and I gave him the Nah <laughs> wave. Uh, he he didn't run that. I love fast. it. He didn't run that fast. Like I mean, I guess it's like in the range of outcomes. But I think he's probably going to be a special teamer. But if you run four three seven, like you're you're yeah. you're going to be fighting for a spot at least. Yeah, and I just wanted to throw in kind of more generally. Hayden hit on uh, on Strong's age being 23 already. And there's a few backs like that. Again, Rashad White, one of them. For me in Dynasty, we, we just want that one contract, especially if you're spending a second or third round rookie pick on these guys. I mean, if it's, if it's Michael Carter or Elijah Mitchell, who you took in the second, third, maybe even later of a rookie draft last year, it, it's it, you're fine cashing out. Like you've already yeah. made a profit on that. So... I don't even other than the elite guys, I don't I don't worry about their age at all because I'm not going to have them on my dynasty roster for three or four or five years. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. It's like, and even with some of the guys who become elite, like David Johnson came in pretty old. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're you're trying to you're shooting for upside. And I don't think the age necessarily takes away from the upside, at least in like year one and two, maybe. It removes longevity for sure. Yeah, I, I will say there's a huge exception for the D2 guys and the Juco transfers. Rashad White, uh, DJ, all these guys. There is no early declares coming from D2. Like that just like doesn't right. happen ever. It takes so much to get on the map. 
Um, so I think that like you can put a little bit more of an excuse, like going back to Rashad White, like his high school was in the middle of Kansas and they were running like this like wing T offense and stuff. So it's like hard to like get on the D1 radar if you're kind of in this like random literally back yeah, in time. You're like, yeah, literally, where are you? Uh so that's why he had like it there's a little bit of context it's out. I think it's still bad, yeah. but it the division two guys, it's like easier to like be like, yeah, he didn't really yeah. declare it's impossible. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh you see that with uh you see that even with like non-power five receivers. You don't I was uh running up the receivers it's this surprised me but since 2014 we haven't had a day one or two wide receiver that was an early declared uh get drafted day one or two that was non-power five so Devontae adams out of fresno state the only one now we have sky Moore, oh, who's baby. gonna go day one or two yeah so oh, baby. <laughs> let's get excited all right let's move to wide receiver actually so we've got the top three here is pretty set in comparison to running that I you know maybe uh Burks has fallen a little bit compared to like the you know he's not the 101 but he's still the 102 but he's still you know very much in that top three wide receiver do you guys see that shifting at all like even post draft is it who can shake this up or can anyone shake this up Burks Wilson London in some order do you see that pretty much set in stone Hayden yeah, so I'm going to throw Jamison Williams into this mm. tier as well. I think it's a tier of four. I think Chris Olave is not that far out of it, but not an early declare, probably more of a number two profile. Uh, but even Dean, Dean Brugler just this week said that Jamison Williams could be the wide receiver one on some team's boards, especially if he didn't have his torn ACL, that he would be. Um, so we have to kind of work through that. I know Jamison's at least training. Um, he thinks he's going to be ready for week one. But yeah, as of, as for Burks, uh, Wilson, London, I don't see a Jamar Chase, don't see a Justin Jefferson, but that next tier of first round wide receivers, I think all of them fill the void. I think they all win in different ways, which means it's just going to come down to the the order that they get drafted in. But all of them, uh, the top five uh, wide receivers, if we, even if we include Olave, uh, top 90th percentile in my model. I personally like London the best, but Garrett Wilson in the same boat. Um, I think just Traylon Burks is the one that's most interesting because he wasn't as athletic as I thought, but then you watch the tape and he runs by everybody at Alabama. The The big thing for me is just he was used in such a weird role at Arkansas, and I think it's because they had to give him the ball because he's their best talent. But if you're going to be projecting a kind of gadget slot player to like X receiver, like I'm wondering if that yeah. takes a year or two. So I think he he's the probably the lowest floor guy out of the the top guys, but I still think we're here to chase ceilings, especially in fantasy. So I still have them like mid round one. He's the most expensive guy Burks in best ball. Do you view him as like, cause to your point, he might take a little bit longer to develop. Like should Wilson be going ahead of him at best ball? Should London? I have Garrett Wilson and Drake London ahead of Traylon Burks in my rankings. They are Burks wide receiver, 39 Wilson wide receiver, 40 Drake London wide receiver, 43. And then Olave and Jameson closer to wide receiver 50. So they're grouped next to each other. I think that's, about the same i think that drake london and garrett wilson it's very easy to see their role immediately just like do what they did in college Traylon burks like there's a chance it's just like kind of falls apart um i'm not projecting that to happen but i think that it's hard to see garrett wilson just being awful same thing with drake london i think that there's a chance Traylon burks just takes a little bit of time to like find his exact role ryan how do you view that um type of a thought process for dynasty because like we know that like things shift 
dramatically after we get a, a little bit of an NFL sample size. I was like cracking up when the Giants took Kadarius Tony. I like Kadarius Tony now. I think he's good. Like yeah. it didn't take that much. So you know, if you think a guy might start slow, and I mean Jameson Williams, I think belongs in this conversation as well. Like Jameson Williams almost has to start slow. Yeah. He he just tore his ACL. Like they, you know, he's not probably going to play half the season. He might you know, very understandably get a, get off to a slow start. But I am skeptical that fantasy managers are going to actually give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt like they should. And that affects his, his dynasty trade market and everything. Yeah. Yeah. They probably won't. We haven't seen Williams rookie ADP change very much. Uh, I mean, obviously he hasn't, hasn't had the opportunity to, to change that for the, for the good or bad with that injury. Um, but yeah, when you're using that, one five, one six, one seven on Jamison Williams. You've got to to recognize and uh, that it's going to take some time. You've got to be patient with him. So, you know, if you can't do that, don't. I guess I would say don't waste the pick. But um, mm-hmm. you you should you should be patient with him. Certainly. Uh, overall, big picture, I'm in line with with what Hayden was saying. Burks, Wilson, London have kind of separated themselves in in our ADP as the top three, but. I don't know that they really should have. I mean, I think Alave and Williams are in that conversation. I think George Pickens is close to being in that conversation as mm-hmm. well. So um, could Burks fall out of the top three come May rookie drafts? Absolutely. I think he could. Uh, right now, again, looking back at grinding the mocks, he's the fifth wide receiver off the board, 22 overall, right behind Williams at 21. So, yeah, I mean, if, if something crazy happens and he falls to early day two instead of late day one, then he, he's probably he's probably falling out of that top three rookie wide receiver group. Yeah, the the early round two distinction, I think, is pretty important, not so much because like historically it's made such a difference, uh, but I think this year can make a huge difference with the landing spots because we, we're seeing like you know, the Packers, the Chiefs, like Mm -hmm. these really juicy late first round landing spots. And if Pickens or Olave or Williams, even a guy like Dotson, uh, Christian Watson, who I want to get to in more detail here in a second, my guy Sky Moore, like if those guys go to the end of the first round, I don't know that not like necessarily all of them would be jumping a, a trail on Burks, but they would be seeing a pretty big jump in their ADP. And like, I've been trying to think through this with the best ball stuff of someone's going to these teams in the late first round. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, probably it's like, should, so like how much does it make sense uh, Hayden to bump up like these guys who were pretty sure like pickings, like William, like we're pretty sure are in the late first round mix and someone's hitting the lottery, maybe a couple guys. Yeah. It's like if Traylon, if, if I'm right and Traylon Burks falls 10 spots, like congrats, I'm right. And now he's uh, the Packers number one receiver. So like, right. it's like, it's not <laughs> going to be good. And on the flip side, like the teams that are going to be drafting uh, wide receivers early, or we're talking about like Washington, that seems like an awful landing spot. Uh, same thing with the Eagles. Like, there would be opportunity, but that passing offense with Goddard and Devonta is like already getting tough too. So you almost like, as like a Drake London fan, like, I would love nothing more than him to fall to the Chiefs pick. Like that would be the best thing I've ever heard in my (laughs) life. So I think we're going to get like a a pretty big tightening. I just think that um, like George Pickens versus Sky Moore versus Garrett Wilson in London. I feel very comfortable that the first or uh, London and Wilson are better players, but uh, the difference between going to the Lions in the second round or the the Packers and the late round ones, like four different uh, spots in actual rankings. But like for us, that would be massive, especially in best ball. 
Yeah. How, how are you thinking through the landing spot stuff now? Like, can is there a way to benefit from this landing spot uncertainty now? Ryan, how do you view that? I don't know if there is right now, honestly. I'm, I mean, in in underdog drafts, I've been doing exactly what you said, taking shots on on those guys uh, that that could sneak into the late first round because it's not just not just Kansas City and and, and Green Bay. I mean, Dallas could yeah. take a wide receiver in that range. I think that would be jackpot situation for Dynasty. You know, Tennessee is there; they need one. That's not not nearly as as enticing overall, but yeah, just, just firing bullets in best ball from a dynasty standpoint, for the most part, we just have to wait and see. And, and yeah. it's tough because, you know, guys like Sky Moore and Christian Watson, a couple names we've already mentioned in February, those guys were late second, third round picks. And, and you, you kind of peg those, those favorites, those sleepers, and then you see them gain value throughout the process. And it's, you know, it can be maddening for sure. Yeah, Watson's up from wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 9, from the 212 to the 201. And he's been a really big riser, and I think rightfully so, because there was like, you know, this feeling that he was a, a interesting, intriguing guy. He was on the NFL's radar, and now he's like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Daniel Jeremiah's tweeted about Christian Watson, right? He has. Uh, a lot of That's them have, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's, it's frustrating because... Christian Watson, yeah, like 96 percentile athleticism, like absolutely crushed the combine. But the Division II wide receiver list is pretty short, and he's 23 years old. And then that offense, especially they're coming from, it's like the classic, like going back to like Trey Lance, like under center, use a fullback, use second tight end, and play action deep shots. And like those, like that's how you get all the efficiency. We'll talk about like having being in two wide receiver sets increases your yards per out run. So does play action. So does the deep shots. And like, that's where he was eating against division two guys. So does Trey Lance at a D two school. Yeah, exactly. Not D2, so FCS. Sorry. it's, um, he's a tough one. I, I, I thought that he was so underdeveloped. Like he had a lot of drops. I thought he was kind of laid out of his breaks, kind of like the zone coverage stuff, but that's like my tape evaluation, which is like the last thing I'm wor worried about. But he seems like a little bit older for somebody that like you need to still develop. So I can see him having like round two hype. And then all of a sudden like kind of falls in the draft and he kind of becomes one of those guys where it's like, what could have been. So I don't want to buy the price increase. If I'm wrong on him, I'm wrong. And I'm just the older like FCS guys. I'm typically out on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said age didn't really matter for running back. I think it does matter for wide receiver. It matters even more, um, not only because kind of the lifespan of the player on your dynasty team or, or potential dynasty value, but thinking about that player against you know eighteen year olds, nineteen year olds. That's yeah. that's kind of the the thinking we throw out a lot because it's true. And, and then you factor in the the FCS piece of it and it becomes even more important so yeah i like christian watson as well um if he sneaks into the late first round of dynasty rookie drafts i'm probably out at that point yeah one thing that makes me nervous about him hayden you mentioned you know the the yards per route run and he kind of had some things working in his favor there but he also had two teammates in 2019 who were also like right next to him in yards per outrun. Yeah. Very efficient. I cannot remember their names, but that is the point. And he didn't have any like an off the charts 
yards per route run until 2021. Now, 20 the 2020 season was kind of like all crazy. So maybe that's a little bit unfair, but you know, he was a fifth year senior. He redshirted his freshman year, so he was always ahead of these guys, you know, his own classmates in terms of age the entire time and didn't really stand out until he was a fifth year senior from an efficiency standpoint and from a production standpoint. So he makes me nervous. On the other hand, he's a highly athletic deep threat and he's probably going to get drafted highly. So I don't want to get burned too hard by fading him. Yeah, that's the worry. It's like, I, I would much rather fade the unathletic guy. That's not as big as he is, but sometimes like the market gets too crazy and I just didn't believe, mm-hmm. believe in it. Like when I went back to watch him. All right, let's talk about Sky Moore, who I'm hoping goes round three so that I keep my enthusiasm in check. If he goes round one, it's, <laughs> it's over. Gonna, <laughs> it's over. We've already got a highlight reel on ship chasing, and uh, we'll be playing it a lot. <laughs> where where are you guys at on Sky Moore? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to defer to Hayden. It sounds like he's, he's a, a big fan. Yeah, so Sky Moore, it's obviously a bunch of positives. I have adjusted production, and that... T- takes in uh, age and then how good your team is. He was off the charts on that. He was 96 percentile yards per team pass attempt, which if I had to pick one metric to go off of, that's probably the one I would pick for the wide receivers. And he was crushed that. He plays in the slot. He can win outside. He doesn't have like the same exact size profile that you're hoping where he kind of like looks like Golden Tate, but doesn't play like Golden Tate. But right. he was more athletic than I was anticipating, 4'4", 140. So he has, like, all the stuff that you're looking for. I kind of view him more like a Monroe St. Brown, but, like, after, like, this rookie season of Monroe St. Brown, where he can win in two wide receiver or three wide receiver uh, sets. I'm guessing he goes into the slot in three wide receiver sets, but not, doesn't come off the field when they go down into those jumbo uh, formations. And I thought that just, like, releases off the line of scrimmage, probably the best in the, the class. I just don't think that he has like the the super game breaking ability when it comes to like wiggle and all that stuff, but that's like least important early declare the productions off the charts. The athleticism came in. He's ultimately 86 percentile prospect in my model, assuming like mid round two draft capital. And I'm pretty confident we're going to get it really efficient in each of his first three seasons. He only played three seasons. I guess the thing that I worry about with him is is the deep ball ability. Uh, didn't see a ton of uh, work downfield, twenty plus yard targets. Didn't see a ton of production on on uh, in those that part of the field. Crushed it in the intermediate part of the field, but like, can he develop, or is he just going to kind of be like you know a wide receiver twenty type of guy, like a Robert Woods? You know, maybe he has one season where we're we're pretty excited, but he's never really a wide receiver one for fantasy. Do you got Ryan? Where are you at on him? Do you do you kind of view him as that like lower ceiling type of dude? I guess I haven't I hadn't thought of it that way, but I mean I don't I don't view him as a future potential wide receiver one. So I mean mm-hmm. if if that's the bar, then yeah maybe maybe I'm a little lower on him. But I mean for his current ADP, early second round, I love that value. I think that yep. I think that almost certainly increases. Seems like there's been a lot of Elijah Moore comps. I'm not sure if I totally buy that as far as the player, but I think the value gain throughout the uh, draft process is spot on that we saw more uh, Elijah Moore outside of that round one, even after he impressed at the combine, it took the, uh, it took the draft capital and, and a decent landing spot for him to really move up. I think that's what we see with Sky Moore as well. Um, The question for him is, does he end up, 
in, in dynasty rookie drafts going ahead of Dotson ahead of Pickens um, guys kind of in that range. I think there's a chance he does. Yeah, I do too. All right, let's go to Alec Pierce. Who's up from wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 15. He kind of feels like the arbitrage Christian Watson a little bit. You're just basically betting on size and athleticism. And it looks like he'll get draft position. Probably not, but he's, there's no chance he goes in the first round and Watson might, but there is a chance that Watson goes like late second and Pierce goes mid third. And there's not that much of a difference there. And I think he's shaping up to be quite a bit cheaper. Yeah, t- totally agree. I think the, the arbitrage word is is perfect on uh, best ball. Christian Watson's wide receiver 70 and Alex Pierce's wide receiver 101, which is basically the cutoff of your being drafted or not. And I would rather just take roll the dice on Alex Pierce. I didn't think Alex Pierce was all that good, but he is like that classic. I think he played volleyball. He looked like he played volleyball when you watched his his tape. Um, but if, if it's Christian Watson, I have to actually spend like legit draft capital or Alex Pierce is literally my dart throw. If he goes to like the chargers and like the, the f- early fourth round or something like that, I don't see why not. I, I don't have that much expectations for truly for either of them. So if I had to pick one between Watson and Pierce, I would go Pierce at, at cost. Yeah. Again, I think it's at cost is the keyword 33 overall in our current ADP. I think that might end up being at least half a round too low for him uh, based on what we'll see draft capital wise. And and then of course it comes down to landing spot, but you know, he's another one of those guys going behind like Taylor uh, Batty, who we mentioned earlier. So yeah, I I, I see him as a late second round rookie pick. All right, let's get to the fallers. But uh, before we do taking a quick break, the madness is upon us. Get an edge plus annual subscription now to unlock our college basketball DFS and betting tools with game predictions, player prop projections, and more. Get ready to cut down the nets using promo code BRACKETS20. Plus, you'll get every tool for every sport with your Edge Plus subscription, including our new Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide powered by Roto World. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BRACKETS20 at checkout and find your Edge. All right, we've talked Isaiah Spiller a fair amount, but let's just kind of close out the conversation there. He's he's fallen here from running back two to running back three and from 104 to 106. It feels like, Ryan, like maybe he's not done falling. Do you expect to see him move down even further in the next mock? Absolutely. Absolutely. So those that most recent data is almost immediately post-combine. It feels like the Dynasty community, Dynasty Twitter's kind of had time to to marinate on that. We've had we've had Spiller's pro day since then, uh, which was not all that impressive either. Like at this point, he'll be lucky to hang on to a first round, a first round uh, pick in uh, in our rookie drafts. Which, which I mean, given the running back class, given that it, the options late in the first round, that's that's probably taking it a little too far. If, if you can get Spiller, uh, assuming he's a mid day two pick NFL draft, if you can get him at the end of round one, I, I think that's you know that's a good shot to take. Yeah, like the underlying measurables, it's yeah. like early declare, power five, didn't have like that many touches. Like I was like, kind of surprised that he was like an early declare. Like he had just over 200 touches in all three seasons. And we knew he wasn't going to be a good athlete, but like the athleticism was like really bad. 22nd percentile. Mm-hmm. Like that's still above the threshold that we're looking like Josh Jacobs in some other backs that we draft pretty highly were in this range. So I'm not 
ruling it out. Now, the the one stat I came across from Sports Info Solutions was there was 72 running backs last year in college football that had at least 100 zone carries on first and second down. So these are like early down backs. He was dead last out of the 72 in designed hole rate, which means that he was like trying to oh, no. bounce out wide. It'd be one thing if he ran like a four four and did that as a bad yeah athlete. that the combinations make me a little uncomfortable. But I did think that he yeah. like he r- runs hard and he caught more passes. He seems like somewhat fluid in that stuff. So I think that there's still a chance. So I think I would be buying the dip on Isaiah Spiller. But I think the dip was justified. He just he, he doesn't create much. Like he's just kind of taking what's given to him. Oh but. You are, I'm so out I know, right but now. Like, I don't want to get <laughs> so on this podcast. Josh and I just did running backs today, and Josh said that he didn't tell me which insider it was, but somebody got in his DMs and said that Isaiah Spiller is going to be still a top three running back drafted. Like the NFL still is in on him, which is surprising okay. to me. Okay, but like I'm he, I'm going to either be way in or way out. I think that with the dip, I'm in, but I think the dip was certainly justified. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised at that. And again, it, it says more about the class than it does Spiller. But I mean, we talked about both whites who I think who are gaining dynasty value, but how much are they moving up NFL draft boards? And I mean, all those guys in that range have their limitations. I, I think you look at Spiller and because he can catch the ball, you know, if he does hit, if you can get him right, if you can fix whatever, then he's he's an every down back all of a sudden. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's go to Kyron Williams, who is also falling down to 208 from 111. It just feels like he's he's kind of like slowly working his way to getting free in best ball. And I was pretty excited about him. You know, pass catcher. He looked pretty good to me, but like the athleticism is not there. Seems like that's really hurting his chances of, of being a day two pick. I mean, it seems like at this point we're hoping he's like a, a round four pick, and not a round six pick or something. Yeah, he's free in best ball. If you want him, go for it. And especially in like our super flax draft, which is a tournament that's going to fill before the draft. Everybody else is spending like eleventh round picks on him. Now you can get him in the eighteenth round. So I think it's like a classic. The dip was mm. justified, but by the dip, he's a bad athlete, really bad athlete. Like. <laughs> disgustingly bad athlete but he is the best pass protecting back in the class and he can catch the ball okay and what's interesting about his profile is he's a little bit on the smaller side of course but notre dame runs like a legit pro style offense and like i mean run power like you hear the word duo like the run rushing concept with the bucks which is like classic power he led college football in those type of runs which makes no sense because he's like this third down back but I think like the right team, like I'm projecting him, the Bucks in the fourth round as the complement, like used to that type of system. And I think that like a, a veteran quarterback is going to love Kyron Williams. It's just like you're hoping he's like JD McKissick or something like that, which doesn't sound that exciting. But I think the NFL yeah. will like him more than probably fantasy Twitter. I think rightfully so. I think that's spot on. I'm, I, I love that you pointed out his, his pass pro. I mean, the pass catching plus the pass protection basically guarantees you a roster spot and, and almost guarantees you playing time uh, with the right system. Looking again, grinding the mocks, RB 11, 144 overall. So draft capital is, is not going to help him. He will continue to fall in dynasty drafts, probably can get him in the third round uh, by the time we're drafting in our actual leagues. Uh, and, and again, I would fire that bullet there. 
Yeah, I, he's pretty exciting as a third round pick. That's that feels like kind of where he maybe should go, like early third round. But uh, I like him there. I mean, at this point, I'm just getting Rashad White two twelve, Kyron Williams three hundred one. <laughs> I just got to load up right there. Uh, all right, a couple other running backs that fell: uh, Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce have both fallen. Running back six to running back ten, and then running back eleven to running back thirteen. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts on either of those guys? Uh, surprised both are falling, uh, especially uh, especially Pierce. I don't get that at all. I, I came away from the combine expecting him to be a riser in uh, in, in our rookie ADP, and he went the other direction. So kind of kind of like Batty, I, I don't get it. I, I think we can flip flip flop Batty and Pierce. Batty is eleven. Pierce is down at thirteen in our running back uh, ADP. I like both in, in the third round. I would take both over uh, Kyron Williams, actually. Mm. What about you? I like Damian Pierce. It makes no sense. My model hates him. Uh, in my scouting report, I said, F my model. We don't care about the model with <laughs> Damian Pierce. He's, his tape is too fun. He was uh, yep. PFF's number one running back based off of a grade. He was elite when it comes to force missed tackles. And Florida, going back to Kadarius Tony. I don't know what's going on in Florida, but they don't play like they're good players all of a sudden. And like he was always in a committee backfield, which is certainly a negative. I see like in the upside case, James Robinson, where you don't getting you're not getting a uh, speedy back, but can catch some passes, runs super hard, like really runs hard. And he's got a little bit more wiggle than somebody like of his frame. And the frame is important talking about like somebody that has a chance to be a three down guy. If like everything broke his way, he's at least five ten two eighteen, which is like classic NFL. So uh, I want to be buying the Damian Pierce. Like if last round in best ball, I at least think he passes the eye test. And I've seen like Nate Tice and some of those guys be like, Hey, he's pretty interesting. The PFF guys definitely like him. So I, I would probably guess he goes uh, round four or round five and he needs just to get, make a roster. But there's at least like an upside uh, case with him. Yeah. To me, dynasty value wise, he's more in line with like uh, with Brian Robinson, with Jerome Ford. That's kind of where I'm valuing him. And, and right now in, in ADP and most rankings, he's, he's a tier below that. Yeah. This maybe will seem like an egg comp. I don't, I don't mean it that way, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Trey Sermon, at least in terms of like yep. how I uh, came to it last year where, where like he didn't really, look that great in in the metrics and stuff but then like you know there's probably some additional context here um and you know if you were to get able to get like trey sermon in the last round or whatever this time of year uh even with the the way the result came in you'd still should be psyched about yep. that i mean you know he's going like the sixth round at some point so i don't know he strikes me as a guy who like an nfl team might view as um you know someone that they can they can plug in as like a, a reserve or, you know, he could fill in an, in an injury or maybe, he, maybe he gets to compete for a committee yeah. job. I would say if you have five minutes, if you're listening to this, you have five minutes to watch a highlight tape from a player you've never heard of. I, I'm going Damian Pierce. He's, he's kind of a, he's kind of a fun guy. He, wow. he runs over everybody and he's got a little more wiggle to him. You're not going to like, he's not going to win a track track meet, but the dude runs really hard. All right. That's a, I kind of want to, Think about that. Who's my my highlight recommendation? I feel like maybe we should we should track that. We should keep some stats on that. See if there's any predictive value to that. Because uh, I think Tony would have probably been the guy last oh, year. Oh yeah, right? for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna check um, after the next break if Dane Brugler's tweeted Damian Pierce's name this off season. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, let's let's go to the wide receivers. David Bell, uh, kind of getting that that Tyler Johnson treatment, uh, the Seth Williams treatment. May, hopefully not as as bad as those guys, but the guy the you know that's popping and and all the analytics stuff. Uh, and then the NFL is just not into it. Pretty easy to understand why here with Bell. Uh, ran a four six five forty. Tries again four seven one. Not ideal. Yeah, it's a tough scene, and uh, you know it's affecting his uh, his best ball ADP. His, I guess the the dynasty ADP hasn't really shifted yet, Ryan. But I assume it will. I mean, I I think like the four seven one forty is almost more damning than the four six five. Yeah, yeah. Somehow he he held on to uh, round one draft draft value in our in our March rookie drafts. Uh, or March rookie mocks. Yeah, you're right. That that's not going to hold. I, I'm still in on him. You know, maybe he does end up being this year's Seth Williams, but I still think I still look at him as, as a day two pick. If the NFL tells me I'm mm-hmm. wrong, then you know I'll I'll adjust from there. But uh, still a player that that I love. I mean, played his best in the biggest games that that Purdue had. Put up huge numbers against Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa. Um, and, and honestly outplayed Rondell Moore, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's saying much at this point based on what we've seen yes. from Rondell, but I still like him. And, um, you know, Bell came in and, and essentially established himself as, as the guy there in that offense. Yeah. So I think you, the dip should have happened. And then you were here to, to buy the dip with him. What makes him so interesting yeah. is just like the production was off the charts. I think, he was primarily an outside player. I think 83% of his snaps were outside. I think he's going to be the power slot role. And you don't have to Me have too. that explosiveness to be in that power slot role. You have to be really smart and you have to have reliable hands and you got to be tough. And I see all that stuff. He, I mean, he was an 11th percentile athlete. So like, obviously his ceiling is capped, but the NFL told him to come out. And that's what I keep coming back to is the early declare matters because you don't declare early unless you got your draft projection from the NFL and you're like, that is fine with me. So I would be pretty surprised if he fell out around three. Now there was a hope that he was going to be around two pick. He's most likely to be around three pick, but even if that happens 70th percentile in my, my model, he's probably ultimately going to be that third receiver in an NFL offense, but third receivers uh, in NFL offenses can be started in fantasy leagues, especially the, the deep ones. Yeah, and I actually think he does have a ceiling just because of the way we score fantasy. You know, he can rack up catches underneath. You know, I think he could be, you know, like I don't think he's going to be like the wide receiver five like Jarvis Landry was or whatever, but I think he could be kind of a Jarvis Landry type of dude. And in some ways, you know, that conversion that you're talking about from him going to the outside to the inside, that's that's got to be easier than, you know, what we're asking uh, Traylon Burks to do go from the slot sure. to, to play, you know, the X. So I'm like, not that worried about that. And I, I completely agree. I think he's like maybe a Jordan Matthews type as well. Um, you know, which didn't work out that long, but it certainly worked out, uh, in the, in the early years. So I'm still in on bell too. I, I think buying the dip makes sense with him. And there's, there's been like a pretty significant dip, um, from where he was going in, in best ball drafts. And I think, yeah, the dip's coming in dynasty too. Justin Ross is someone I'm struggling with. Uh, I expected him to, to be a faller. He hasn't really fallen yet. I, I feel like he should be falling. Like uh, after the pro day, 
and, and I get I want to get your, your your guys' thoughts on like what you think the NFL is on him because I, I don't have a good read on that either. It's like his pro day was not good, but you know, he had a stress fracture in his foot in the season that it, it curtailed his season. Maybe that affect the pro day. He also obviously has the the other medical issue uh, with the spinal spinal issue that cost him 2020. So he strikes me as a guy who could fall to like round five or six teams don't even have on their boards uh, because of the medical issues. He also, you know, has a profile where if he went like early round three would make total sense. Yeah, totally. agree. I have no idea what to do with him. I, I thought his tape was bad last year, but there was a bunch of context Mm -hmm. that went into it. And he had a thousand yards as a true freshman on a national uh, contending team. So like you have to leave the light on for him. Ultimately he's probably not going to pan out. And I'm with you. If it's a bunch of medicals and he falls to round five, I can totally see that. It's just like it's like tough because he was like a contested catch player on the perimeter and just jump ball specialist as a freshman. And then like last last year, like he couldn't even pick up a yard, a single yard after the catch. So it's like hmm. he, he's tough. I don't I don't I'm not that optimistic about him, but you're six foot four, 205 uh, high recruits from Clemson. You at least have to like leave the light on for him. You you had more yards than T Higgins yeah. in your first. It might year. matter. It might matter. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunately just just too far gone. Um, you know, mm. too too much, uh, too many negatives um, for for Justin Ross for me to be interested. Still wide receiver twelve according to grinding the mock seventy five overall. I'd be shocked, like really shocked, Same. if he went that high. Um, I, I think he's a day three guy as well. And again, you just look at the the depth of the receiver class. I mean, I want Tolbert over him. I want, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I want Wandell Robinson over him. I want Mechie over him. Like, I I probably just won't have much uh, Justin Ross. All right, let's talk Wandell Robinson because he's fallen uh, from two hundred one to two hundred four. I feel like he's got more falling to do as well. Uh, just the the combine size, really, you yep. know. And then he's also not that athletic, so. Uh, that doesn't seem great for like uh, a gadget player. No, it's not great. And you know, this one, this one hurts as a Kentucky guy. Uh, but also at the same time knew it was coming. I mean, I think, I think Kentucky and, and Nebraska had him listed at, at five ten, And I mean, it, it was pretty obvious that was not going to be the case. So um, was hoping for, for five nine and, and didn't even get that um, I, to me. And again, I'm, I'm biased here a little bit. That was really the only negative. I, I thought uh, what he ran is kind of what most people expected. Um, he, he's he's a tape guy for me. Like, I trust the tape. Mm-hmm. He played plenty of running back snaps at Nebraska. We know. I mean, I think we've got to get our Debo Samuel mention in. Every, every fantasy podcast this offseason needs one. So, um, you know, every team, it seems, is looking for, for the next Debo Samuel. And uh, I don't think Wondell Robinson can be on that level. Certainly, I, I wouldn't put that on him. But um, got the uh, the versatility to his game, of course. Could it be Curtis Samuel? Is that he, he, he could be? I hope not. Right. <laughs> where are you, where are you at on Robinson, Hayden? Uh, the Rondell Moore role that we had as a rookie, where he would come in and they'd throw him a little pass and they'd, they'd get him off the field immediately. I think that's probably what we're getting for Wandale Robinson just because of the size and his production. Like, obviously, the production looks great and that's why he was touted early on. But 34 out of his 104 receptions came on screens or jet sweeps, which like doesn't really translate that, that much. 
Uh, I would actually love to see a study on like what type of production is what translates. And I'm guessing a lot of it's like slants, hitches, digs, go routes. And the the, the screen receptions are like a nice cherry on top. But yeah, he's just so small that I think you're hoping for Isaiah McKenzie somewhere in that type of role. I think he's probably your fourth receiver and a gadget guy in the right offense. Uh, Jamal Agnew comes to mind, like those type of type of players where in DFS on a single slate, you're like, oh, remember Wandale Robinson? But I think in the the best ball streets, yeah, I think think in the best ball streets, we've got a bigger fish to fry. I like that. All right. I'm excited to uh, to pump my wide receiver position in in week 14 with Wanda Robinson. Uh, John Mechie is a, another faller here. Wide receiver 11 to wide receiver 13. I was I, I just published my uh, my rankings from six to 10, the rookie wide receivers. And I went back and forth between Tolbert and Mechie at 10, like eight times. Uh, I ended up with Tolbert. But Mechie is just like. <laughs> You're just going, well, he's a four-star recruit and he went to Alabama. Like that, and he's an Orlando Claire. That's it. It's like literally just that, but like that matters. And he's also probably going to be a second or third round pick, but he has a torn ACL and really he didn't do anything in production in terms of production. And he was kind of used like a gadget player. So I don't know. I it really feels like you're just this feels like guessing, like more than anything, maybe more than any player in the draft. It really just feels like guessing with Mechie. Where are you at on him? Hey, so I think I'm going to be in at price with with Mechie. I would not be surprised if he's in the league for eight years and he was never super flashy uh, because he doesn't really mm-hmm. separate. He doesn't also have like the body control of somebody that's like a contested catch guy, but he seemed like he was always in the right spot. He was fighting for extra yards. He, I thought he had good hand usage, all that stuff. Like everything before you catch the ball and like blow by everybody seems good to me. Like I think probably better against zone than man coverage. And I think <laughs> that profile is like the number three receiver on an offense for a lot of teams. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what his role was at Alabama. He was never even close to being the best player on the field, but he got some playing time. And I think 73rd percentile prospect in my model with round three draft capital seems appropriate. And I think, a lot of these like big swing, there's going to be a lot more big swing and misses like a Christian Watson and stuff that go ahead of him. And I think Mechie has a better chance of still being ranked in best ball rankings in, in 2026 compared to some of the guys being drafted around them. I, I like that take. I think in years of the years in the league leagues, you definitely, you want to, sure. <laughs> maybe he's the Curtis Samuel then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. yeah I, I think, I mean, 2021 obviously hurt Mechie because I think there was this, um, you know, in, in his first couple of years at Alabama, we we saw the dominant guys there that that were starting, and then Mechie would come in if there was an injury or if they were running four wide or whatever, he would come in and make a big play. And you know, dynasty players kind of got excited about him. I, I remember this time last year, there was a lot of talk about John Mechie's the next Alabama first round rookie wide receiver, and. And then, I mean, 2021 was just a reality check, right? Like, um, obviously the injury hurt his stock, but uh, Jamison Williams coming in and and being the man there um, kind of showed us what, how how they thought of, of Mechie, right? That he was, he's that 1B at best. Yeah. 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 I mean, and Williams also looks really, really good. So, um you know, it's, it might just, it could just be the case where like, he's, he just got kind of unlucky in terms of 
playing with that many talented wide receivers, which is kind of unprecedented that, you know, he plays with four first round picks and then a guy who would have easily been a first round pick had he not torn his ACL and still might be despite having torn his ACL. Will so, be. Lock, uh, lock that one in. You think, yes. you think lock so? It in. All right. Yes. I like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Last guy here, Khalil Shakir. He is a guy that when I was looking at his profile originally, I was like, well, I'm going to be okay fading him when, you know, he's a, a late first round rookie mm-hmm. pick. And that's not what has happened at all. He's falling. People don't seem excited about him. And now I think I'm going to be drafting a lot of him because there are some things that, that I do like about him. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah. Surprised to see him fall. I, I kind of grouped those, those guys, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Jalen Tolbert, mm. and, and Khalil Shakir as, as four guys I thought would be risers throughout the process. Um, of course, two of them that we've talked about have been in a big way. Tolbert's slowly moving up, I would say, and, and Shakir is going the wrong direction. I'm, I'm surprised at that one as well. 37 overall in our ADP right now. I mean, kind of in no man's land, like Zonovan Knight, Kevin Harris, uh, Ty Chandler are guys around him. I think, I mean, if, if that's the decision you're making in a dynasty rookie draft, it's, it's an easy one. I haven't got to watch him, but I listen to like a lot of film grinders podcasts and they keep mentioning this guy, like the end of their podcast is like, Hey, kind of watch out for him. And 68th percentile adjusted spark athleticism at the combine is certainly good enough. So I'm kind of surprised he's falling. He's definitely in like that no name tier, but I wouldn't be like shocked if he was like the 90th overall pick or something like that. We're like, Oh, who's we got to go back and make sure uh, we're not fading this guy for a reason. And just like the basic measurables that I look at, look at, PPR points per game, 67th percentile. Yards per team pass attempt, 71st percentile. College uh, dominator per game, 66th percentile among wide receiver prospects. So he's he's checking boxes. I, I don't know anything about his game, but I've heard his name come up a couple times. So I wouldn't be like that surprised if he's the name after the second day. We're like, all right, we got to go back and make sure um, we know some more things about this guy. Yeah, he's a yards after catch guy. And I, I thought maybe there would be like, some more NFL excitement about him. Um, but yeah, I think I'm pretty in if he's a third round pick, if he's like a, a, a known, I mean, there's certainly things I don't like about him. He's a four year player. Uh, it wasn't hyper productive, but he was like decently productive. And I think he could, you know, he looks, he's decently athletic, gets third round draft capital. I think I'm going to be pretty in on him. I'm always kind of pleased when a guy that I think I'm going to be fading, I'm getting at a discount that always just, just makes me happy. Yeah. He might be that guy. <laughs> I think we will call it there. Uh, Hayden, what do you got going on over at Underdog? Yeah, so doing a bunch of content, and it's definitely NFL draft season. I do want to plug, if you are still listening to this podcast and listening to Shaquille, uh, or Khalil Shakir take, you would probably like our rookies and sophomores drafts, which is basically <laughs> our version of Dynasty. It's four-person drafts. They take about 10 minutes, and you're only drafting rookies right now. And then last year's rookies, it's a pretty interesting game, a little bit of game theory because of the scarcity. So... Um, you could be drafting uh, Khalil Shakur in those drafts, and you probably in other drafts that you're doing, you would not be able to. So he's available. Yeah. So go round. go to you Underdog can, can and draft one line. of these guys that we're talking about. <laughs> Tell me why I'm wrong too. Ryan, what do, what do you got uh, for us? Yeah, we uh, over at Dynasty League Football. We just released our uh, 2022 Dynasty Draft Guide. Tons of additional content on top of everything else we normally have there, and it is free for all subscribers. So check that out. All right. 
Okay. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, we will see you guys next week.